On this episode of the Fifth Estate Podcast, I'm going to go over the amendments tabled by the government in the Legislative Council last night to amend or their proposed amendments to the Public Health and Wellbeing Amendment Pandemic Management Bill 2021. Uh, share my thoughts on some of the comments by uh, the crossbenchers uh, that were in Parliament last night, as well as asking whether the Governor should disallow the bill and whether she will or not. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello everyone, my name is Cameron Blewett. This is the fourth fourth episode of the Fifth Estate Podcast. A bit of a mouthful there. As I said uh, in the intro, what I'm going to be doing today is going over the, uh, what is it, three-page document that were amendments uh, tabled by the government last night uh, to amend their bill that will amend the Public Health and Wellbeing Act, uh, as well as also sharing uh, my thoughts on some of the comments um, regarding that. So, anyway, uh, if you if you didn't tune into the a uh, live stream of the debate in the uh, Legislative Council last night, dare I say, holy smoke, you missed some entertaining viewing. Um, you know, rightly so, the opposition got up and uh, the non-government-aligned crossbenchers got up and expressed their concern about the bill and why they will be opposing it. And then, true to form, the government-aligned crossbenchers being Andy Medic, uh, Fiona Patton and Samantha Ratnam got up and did their spiel about why they're going to support the bill. Uh, now, I'll get in, in particular, I'll get into uh, Andy Medic's comments uh, because I think that there's a lot that needs to be said about what he said in Parliament uh, that, you know, just shows or goes some way to indicating that he really has no idea what he's doing, he hasn't read the bill, or if he has, he really doesn't care because uh, as someone, I forgot who the member was that uh, mentioned it, is that he's a transactional member there. He's just there to, you know, he does one thing and then something else gets done in return. Uh, So, you know, um, I I have a feeling that there's going to be some uh, you know, beneficial transactions in the budget next year that uh, have been uh, promised or done or, you know, will be given uh, in return for, you know, a, as uh, congratulations for his support. So anyway, uh, I'll get to that later. So let's get on to talking about these uh, amendments. Now, having a look at the bill, it, it – the, these amendments, it really doesn't do much to uh, change people's uh, concerns with how the bill was to begin with. It, it hasn't done much. And for the three crossbenchers to say that, you know, prior to this bill being uh, debated to the, uh, last night, for them to say that they've been negotiating or, or you know, discussing or involved in this for the last six months and that they're happy with the bill and then all of a sudden these amendments come out and saying, yep, okay, we support that too. Well, you know, the, the Fiona Patton's gone on and saying that this is a balanced bill. This was 
how its original one, this is without the amendments, was a balanced bill that, um, you know, had a measure of accountability and transparency and all those other sort of sorts of buzzwords. So if it was perfect then and all three crossbenchers said it was, now why is it more perfect now? What what happened? Are they just buckling uh, because there's going to be, uh, you know, let's say political bloodshed at the uh, at the next election? And by that I mean I, I you know, I'm hoping that all three crossbenchers lose their seats. Um, uh, you know, I, I specifically hope that Patton and Ratnam lose their seats uh, because that's the uh, region that I'm in and I think that they're... <sighs> Engagement, um, lack of consultation with the community and everything like that has been absolutely disgusting. Uh, you know, these people uh, pretend that they're elect- elected representatives and they're not. The, all they are is that they've gone into parliament now and, hey, they're our ruling class. They're the ruling class. They rule over us and tell us what to do. Uh, that is, as, as far as I'm concerned, totally unacceptable. Um, now... I did uh, make both of them a promise that if they supported the bill, uh, I would spend every day from the vote to the election campaigning against them. Uh, I do intend to do that. I also said that, um, you know, if they did vote uh, for the bill, that I would um, consider standing as a uh, candidate in the upper house. I'm still not sure about that one at the moment because... You know, I, I really need to think that we need to, de- you know, to decide whether Victoria is a place worth staying in and, and fighting for and, um, you know, what's going to happen after that. Um, you know, can Victoria be redeemed or should we just write the state off as a lost cause? Um, so, yes, you know, obviously that's something I'm going to have to consider over the next uh, couple of months or um couple of days if this passes um, from that. Um, so who knows? Who knows what the future is going to hold? You know, I may throw my hat in the ring and stand as an independent candidate. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, that will come out in uh, later episodes. So as I said, um, back to this uh, amendments to the bill. Now, it's just a three-page document. Uh, most of it doesn't do much. It, it you know, um, they amend... Clause 12 on page 8 to say that um, omit all all lines and substitute. It says uh, lines 9 to 15. Ah, Okay, so, yep. Okay, it says um, the parliament uh, recognised the importance of protecting human rights in managing the serious risk to life, public health and well-being presented by the outbreak or spread of pandemics or diseases of pandemic potential and intends that nothing in this part displaces the operation of the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities and intends that the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities therefore applies to the following. The interpretation of this part and subordinate instruments instruments made under this part, acts done or and decisions made under this part by public authorities. Now, public authorities is created as a new definition. It originally wasn't in there, so... Uh, public authority is defined as something that has the same meaning uh, as it has in the Charter of uh, Human Rights and Responsibilities. Uh, then it goes on to say, um, you know, the, the next, what's that, seven clauses or, or bits of adjustments that are done is that they change um, from it being adjust the Premier 
uh, as it currently is, it just says the Premier may make a pandemic, no, correction, the pandemic, the Premier may make a declaration under this subsection and in brackets a pandemic declaration if the Premier is satisfied that there is a serious risk to public health arising from. Now, that is going to change to the Premier may make a declaration under this subsection, in brackets, a pandemic declaration if the Premier is satisfied on reasonable grounds that there is a serious risk to public health arising from. Now, all that's done is added on reasonable grounds. Now, you know, that's the thing, is that we've, on reasonable grounds, we've allowed uh, everything to happen because of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, uh, you know, where if the, uh, the the burden was changed to absolutely necessary, I do not believe that we would be in the situation that we're in because uh, nothing that the government has done has been absolutely necessary uh, to... Uh, you know, to, to protect human life or to, um, you know, um, protect public health. Uh, and, and this comes back to the other thing too, is that, you know, it's not the role of the government there to keep us safe. Um, you know, we're allowed to make our decisions. Uh, jumping into a car every day, you make a decision. Uh, those people who um, do particular substances, legal or not, they make a decision whether to do it or not. Uh, so... You know, this is the thing. It's not the government there to to keep us safe. The government's sole job is to, you know, if you want to get down to it, is to protect our rights. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, everything that they've done there about providing services and uh, things like that is just something ancillary to government. Uh, you know, I uh, don't believe that government should have the monopoly on the things that it does. Uh, so, you know, my view is is that, uh, you know, it's not there to keep us safe. They should be providing us with the uh, right information and the correct information and enough information for us to make an informed decision, except that they're not. They're hiding uh, all the decisions. They're hiding everything. They're keeping it quiet. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to uh, keep their all their stuff secret. Uh, so, you know... That is very, very concerning. Uh, so going on through uh, for that one before I get off on a different tangent, um, their next uh, amendment to it is relating to Clause 12, which is on page 19 of the bill. So it says, after line 12, insert. Uh, so what they've done, I'm going back to the other page, um, Clause 12, line, page line, uh, page 19, line 2, it says, uh, um, after following, insert, if such a thing. So what that really does is talks about persons, um, this, to whom a pandemic order may apply. A pandemic order may, uh, and this is the original, this isn't the updated version, so this is um, talking about the particular section. It says, a pandem- pandemic order may be expressed to apply to the following all persons specified classes of persons specified persons uh, a pandemic order must not be expressed to apply to a single named individual now going on to that so uh section three subsection three without limiting subsection one a pandemic order may apply to differentiate between or vary in its application to persons or classes of persons identified by one or more of the following. Now, the, the 
the amendment that has been circulated says after that, if such application, differentiation or variation uh, is relevant to the serious risk to public health posed by the disease specified in the pandemic declaration to which the pandemic order relates. Now then that goes on to talk about their presence in a pandemic management area or in a pandemic location in a pan, a particular location in a pandemic management area their participation in or presence at an event now remember that presence at an event an activity that they have undertaken or undertaking their characteristics attributes or circumstances now the uh, subsection 4 went on to clarify uh, what an expression uh, the expression attribute went now what they've done is after line 12 insert okay our pandemic order so they've taken that bit out after line yes okay so sorry the, these are going through one bit so they've taken the clause out clause 12 line page 19 lines 13 to 23 so 13 to 23 said with subsection 4, without limiting the meaning of the expression attribute in subsection 3, a pandemic order may apply to differentiate between or vary in its application of persons. So talking about the Equal Opportunity Act. Okay, so what they've done is at the end of that bit where the characteristics, attributes or circumstances, they've done examples. A pandemic order might A, differentiate between persons or classes of persons on the basis of their vaccination status in relation to a pandemic disease or disease of pandemic potential by restricting persons who are unvaccinated from engaging in specified activities unless they are exempt from vaccination. B. Differentiate between persons or classes of persons on the basis of age if age is relevant to the risks of to health posed by the pan, by pandemic disease or disease of pandemic potential. For example, a pandemic order might limit the ability of persons or classes of persons to receive visitors at or move in within a residential care facilities. So, um, you know, I, I think that this is just um, put in writing everything that, that people were concerned about before. So this is going to be the thing is that he can turn around and say, uh, you know, as uh, Miss Patton did uh talk about in a comment that she made, let's say the smallpox uh, has been weaponized uh, as Bill Gates is prophesizing uh, and Miss Patton did mention that smallpox could be the next pandemic. So let's say for argument's sake, it is smallpox. Uh, so then, okay, that's somewhere else. So that's a disease of pandemic potential. So that, you know, Premier Dan decides, yep, bang, that's it. Everyone go and get a jab. There's no smallpox here, but we know need to go and get this jab. Hey, it's been approved by the TGA, though whilst it has been approved, it's still part of the black triangle. So that means we don't have a full safety picture. So we need all, our, all your medical professionals to report any adverse actions, etc., etc., to it. So we need you to get that jab. You don't get that jab? Well, hey, you know what? I'm allowed to do something. I'm allowed to say that you can't go here, you can't go there. Or uh, if your, um, you know, you, you, any if your parents or you have uh, family or, or someone closely related to you in a residential care facility, they don't want to get a particular jab. Well, they could essentially be confined to their room, and you know that's not to go anywhere. They're stuck there. 
uh, because it does say to receive visitors or to move within residential care facilities. And this this bill is getting scarier and scarier. Now, at the bottom of that example, it says, note, the minister may only make a pandemic order that the minister believes is reasonably necessary to protect uh, public health, see section 165AI. Further, the Charter of Rights and Responsibilities applied to subordinate instruments under this part, section 165AP2C and D, have the effect that when the minister makes, varies or extends a pandemic order that applies to differentiates between or varies in its application to persons or classes of persons identified by reference to a matter specified in this subsection, the minister must publish an explanation of whether the minister's, in the minister's opinion the order does or does not limit any human rights set out in the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities and an explanation of any limitations uh, identified. Now, it doesn't say that he can't do it. It just says that, hey, you know what, I'm going to stop all these people who are in a particular residential care facility because they haven't had, um, you know, whatever shot, that they can't move, they can't see visitors. So, you know, they're, they're targeting our family, they're targeting, they're going to be targeting everyone. Um, so, you know, this, it's, the bill, this amendment doesn't make the bill any better, it doesn't make it any more palatable. Um there's, uh, they've changed it from 14 days to seven days that the information needs to be provided. Um, just talks about that the minister, in the making of or variation extension as to whether, in the opinion of the minister, the order does or does not limit the human rights. So the minister needs to turn around and say, give an explanation of the nature of human right limited, the importance of the purpose of the limitation, the nature and extent of the limitation the relationship between the limitation and its purpose and any less restrictive means reasonably available to achieve the purpose that the limitation seeks to achieve. Uh, so, you know, it, it's going to be the thing is, hey, you put a, you know, you get the jab or you put a face diaper on and we'll allow you to see people. Um, you know, this is what it's going to come down to. And none of this should really be uh, acceptable to anyone, uh, especially the crossbench, uh, because they all claim to be about rights and equality and fairness and everything like that. Um, so, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's really, as I said, it doesn't make a bad bill any better. Uh, the rest of it just changes uh, reference to particular um, sections in the bill. It also reduces the... Uh, fines from 120 penalty units for a natural person to 60, uh, 600 to 300 in the case of a body corporate, uh, 500 to 250 for other natural persons and from 2,500 to 1,250. Uh, so it, it doesn't do much different there. Uh, now the, the big concerning bit that it doesn't change is the ability of an authorised officer with a member of the police assistance by police officers to make warrantless entry. Uh, this comes down to uh, section 227B, assistance by police officers, and, and this is still in the bill. And I meant to get to this yesterday, but there was just a lot that I got through and um, it managed, it just slipped my um, mind, but um, so uh, section two two seven b assistance by police officers subsection one without limiting section one six five b b c 
or 202 if a request for assistance is made of a police officer in relation to the exercise of a power under this Act and it is reasonably necessary to assist an authorised officer in in exercising the power, the police officer may provide assistance by doing one or more of the following. A. Affecting warrantless entry into premises pursuant to a specific request from an authorised officer. B. Compelling a person to provide the person's name, address and any other information. C. Using reasonable force. Now, subsection 2. Without limiting subsection 1C, a police officer may use reasonable force to detain a person under or for the purposes of Part 8A and to take that person to A. A place where the person is to be detained or B. A place where the person is required to be under a pandemic order or under a direction given in the exercise of pandemic management power. Now, you know, that. The, but getting on to that bit, uh, subsection 3, despite subsection 1C and 2, those subsections do not permit a police officer to exercise reasonable force to assist in the exercise of a power to require a person to undertake an examination, test, pharmacological treatment or prophylaxis. Now, hopefully that... that isn't going to change, um, but there's nothing in the amendments that we're going to do that. So, but just going back to that bit, is that you know if an authorized officer says you know believes something, hey, we'll call the police. The police can literally kick your door down to find you or to get you, and then hey, if a detention order is there, they can break into your house without warrant and decide hey, you're a particular class of person that this order applies to. So we're going to use force to detain you and to take you to a place where you're required to be under public or uh, pandemic order um, to be detained or under a direction. So, you know, that's, you know, and, and okay, now, um, you can't turn around and say, oh, but the government would never do that. If they were never going to do that, why is this section here in the first place? This section is here because they will do it, whether they do it now, 12 months' time, two years' time, whatever, the next time they get in power, whatever. That is there because they want to be able to do this. So um, those people who are making references uh, to things that have happened in the past, well, uh, you know, it is uh, genuinely looking like that. Now, this isn't being a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. This is just looking at the bills and the... Uh, you know, the, the legislation and how things are being treated. We've already got a two-class society. Uh, those who haven't had the, um, let's say, experimental therapeutics because it's a, it's a series of, of uh, injections now, so it has to be a therapeutic. Um, experimental because it's still part of the Black Triangle program. Uh, so if you don't want to participate in that, you can't go out to a restaurant, you can't go and sit down, you can't go to the pub unless you've been given a very, very narrowed uh, medical exemption uh, or you've got a temporary exemption due to actually having recovered from this uh, killer virus. Um, So, you know, this is the thing, how you can say that it's not parallel to it is something that um, I think people need to be uh, fully aware of and, and wake up to. Uh, the other thing, so, uh, you know, it, it's coming. Um, you know, it, it's just, it is frustrating. And, you know, people who 
um, supposedly have all these things. Like, you know, the Labor Party was always about freedom of association, um, reducing the size of government, keeping government out of your life, etc., etc. Now all of a sudden this has come around, they're in power, that's what they want. Have a look at uh, uh, anti-medic and animal justice party. Their guiding principles are kindness, equality, rationality and non-violence. Um, by his support of the bill, it goes against all four of them. This bill is not kind to anyone. It does not create equality. It is not rational and it is definitely not violent because you've just said that bit that I read out that if an authorised officer has a reasonable belief or whatever it is, you know, they can get a police officer to use force. So this is the thing. This, um, yeah, I won't go on to that bit. But anyway, um, um, that's that's the thing of the bill, um, the amendments. It still doesn't make the previously bad bill look any better uh, and it's, you know, it is genuinely concerning. So uh, let's see what happens in Parliament. Um, if you hear, if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday, um, I still think that we should write letters to all three crossbenchers, um, make it polite, talk about it, um, uh, you know, that what they're doing uh, is is based on misinformation. Um, and that's the other thing too. Uh, tonight, so I, I think it's going to be tonight our time, which will be uh, something coming up for the US, or hopefully it comes out tonight. Um, there's going to be something by Glenn Beck. He's um, on the Blaze TV network, um, what you'd call a, a conservative uh, commentator or a voice. Uh, he, he does, he's doing a big um, expose uh, program on uh, the, you know the, the the virus and everything like that in the US. So um, I, I think that that should be compelling viewing for everyone. Um, I'd love to get those three crossbenchers to actually watch that before they make a decision whether to vote in support of this bill. Um, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but anyway. Moving right along, uh, this next bit, talking about the uh, things that were talked about, uh, the debates that happened in Parliament last night. Now, I'm going to focus particularly on Mr Medic um, because, you know, I, I do have genuine concerns that he's not being uh, faithful or true or honest to the the principles of the party that he's um, the member of or, or um, parliamentary leader of or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I, th- I think we need to take him to task for uh, for, for what he's doing. Um, so uh, I'm sure you've probably seen, oh, I mean maybe you have uh, some of the comments on Twitter and all that sort of stuff where uh, Mr Medic seems to have a bit of a problem with calling everyone a neo-Nazi. He's quoted in Hansard as saying that uh, Craig Kelly, the federal um, leader of the United Australia Party, he said here in Hansard that uh, Craig Kelly's bodyguard is a neo-Nazi. And then he also goes on to say that, um, where was it? Okay, um, he said, I saw a... This is quoting from Hansard. I saw a known neo-Nazi reporter out there with his neo-Nazi mate. And that is who I spoke to her about. Um, so this was when Dr. Cumming was having a crack at uh, Mr. Medic for um, 
um, you know, making everything neo-Nazi and, and breeding hate and all that sort of stuff. Uh, sorry, fostering hate. Um, so, you know, uh, the the reporter is Avi Yamini. Now, uh, I'm not going to say I know too much about him, um, but from what I do understand, he's Jewish. So how a Jewish uh, person... Uh, could be a neo-Nazi, is um, really interesting to me and I'd love Andy Medic to explain that rationally uh, because he doesn't seem to be able to. Uh, it just seems that anyone that, that disagrees with Mr Medic is a neo-Nazi. Now, um, going on to that, uh, he, his, his piece in Parliament was... Um, Rather interesting. I think he's been emboldened by the support that he's getting from the Labor Party uh, to think that he's um, six foot tall on bulletproof. Now, I'm not alluding to any anyone doing anything. I'm just saying that that's a comment that, um, you know, we were always told when we were kids because, you know, you get a bit taller and then you think you can do all these things um, and then you come a cropper with something. Anyway, uh, before I digress about that and go too much down the track. Uh, you know, he, he went on about, um, you know, talking about his team and everything like that. Um, he does mention that uh, when conspiracy theories. So uh, I'm trying to find a bit. Um, we are in this parliament because of a zoonotic, uh, sorry, we are in this predicament because of a zoonotic disease. We're in this terrible space because we continue, even in the face of our own failings and mass morality, to recognise that we did this. We are here because we exploit animals. Um, I don't know what the conspiracy theorist Andy Medic has been looking at, though all indication seems to be that that was misinformation by the particular country that this virus started in and that it actually started in a lab um, as a um, probably a, an, an accidental uh, accidental outbreak. Uh, I'm not sure. Actually, no, he, he probably wouldn't. He probably wouldn't even look at anything that's going on in the US because there's been... Um, Rand Paul, a um, Congress, Congress senator, senator uh, in the US, has been having a go at um, Dr. Fauci through the different committee hearings and everything like that. And one of the things that he was trying to get uh, Dr. Fauci, who's the head of the NIAID or something like that, uh, was to acknowledge that the US has paid for gain of function research now. The definition was changed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but you know, it, it's a thing is that there's going to be something somewhere where this wasn't created because of the exploitation of animals, that this was created in a lab. Uh, so you know, I think that the conspiracist, conspiracy theorist, Andy Medic, needs to um, stop referring to this as a zoonotic disease because it's not. Um, and he goes on to say. Um, right in the middle of lockdowns, oh no, this was talking about um, uh, avian avian flu that happened in his electorate. Um, but you know what? And he, he said he's spoken about the looming threat of a pandemic due to our reliance on the consumption of animals. Um, now, you know, this is the thing. Um, actually, no, I'll, this bit first. Um, I've given 
I have all but given up trying to talk to people who have no desire to change, but you need to realize that exploiting animals in this way kills people. Remember that. Animals plus exploitation equals zoonotic disease equals pandemics. Now, um, you know, and, and this is reading from Hansard here. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's concerning. Um, and he goes on to say, but in broad terms, uh, it ends talking about the bill. Uh, they're continually raising this chamber in public to deal with a worldwide killer pandemic using state of emergency legislation as a framework. Now, uh, it is debatable whether this is a worldwide killer pandemic um, because the World Health Organization's own guidelines go on to say that if you have the virus present in your system, that you're classed as a um, death with the disease. Now, this is extremely interesting because there was something a couple of days ago in New Zealand. Um, a person was um, shot, died because of being shot, um, sustained multiple bullet wounds, and then when the autopsy was, was done, pardon me, uh, it was discovered that this person had uh, COVID. So therefore, they were classed as a COVID death. So, But how can that be right? It's the bullets that killed them, though because they weren't, they didn't die from the disease, they died from the bullets, they're classed as having, you know, and, you know, this is, a thing. It, it's just, I mean, uh, mental gymnastics to be able to go through all of this stuff. Um, so, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, it, it just baffles me. Um, I was having a look at, um, you know, uh, watching that, that clip with Andy, Med- uh, that his time in Parliament, I have genuine concerns um, about his um, uh, stability or his ability to continue in the role that he's going on uh, because he went from 100 to 0 to 100 um, so quick it wasn't funny um, and it didn't look like a, uh, a the, the behaviour of a normal rational person. Um, so... Uh, going under this, uh, you know, Mr. Medic was going on about reading a book, uh, Blind Faith, that was written by Ben Alton, uh, 2007. And he, he mentions this in Parliament, which he doesn't, you know, which really doesn't really, uh, you know, I don't understand why, but he, he tries to equate something that happened in that. Um, he said uh, that. Humanity has changed to become a society where the cult of self is what matters. Bodily autonomy at the expense of collective good, all ruled over by a group think of worshipping, not a God, as in, uh, and he says, as some in the chamber do, but the love and interpretation of an omnipotent being who speaks to your local confessor, who decrees that vaccines and medicines are the work of heretics. Now, um, you know, obviously this is a very pro-medical thing that he's trying to put out there. Um, but you know what? Who's to say that it's not? Um, we've been uh, led down the garden path about the lethality of this virus. Uh, there was a thing in the Herald Sun, I think it was today, saying that combined uh, the three big drunk companies are making a profit of $1,000 a second due to this. So, you know, there is genuine concerns about that. Um, and yet... You know, Mr. Medic's happy to turn around and do that. 
Um, whereas, okay, so as I mentioned before, that the principles of the Animal Justice Party are kindness, equality, rationality, and nonviolence. And yet, um, so he goes on to talk about um, he's he's trying to promote about how how much better him and his um, other like you know government aligned crossbenchers are. Says that they did listen. Um, while and he, reading from Hansard again, while those that made the choice to politicise public safety by stoking the flames of hate went on a little tour of indulging conspiracy theorists, neo-Nazis, Trumpist morons and those who believed in lizard people, we went about our jobs. Now, uh, interesting. Um, I'm wondering what uh, Mr Medic thinks I am. Which one am I? Am I? Well, we know Andy Medic's a conspiracy theorist, so, um, you know, it, it takes one to know one. Um, neo-Nazis, Trumpist morons or those that believe in lizard people? Um I believe in lizard people because I've seen Doctor Who and I know they exist um, kilometres down in the um, below the earth um, because, hey, man, Doctor Who. It was on Doctor Who. The lizard people are there. Uh, so if Andy Medic doesn't believe that they exist, well, I think that he needs to sit down and watch Doctor Who again. And, and mind you, this was the one of the better Doctor Who's. Uh, who was the Doctor? Matt Smith uh, before... Uh, the doctor went um, all PC and and really out there. Um, I would have loved Peter Capaldi to have a good stint at it, uh, except I think that the writers let him down. And uh, yes, I haven't been able to watch the uh, last couple of years because I think Peter Capaldi's um, final season just sort of ruined it. Um, you know, it, it honestly it turned me off. It. Um, I think the season finale with the two masters in it, with Missy, and um, when the other one came back, uh, that was a good episode. Um, but you know, that was one of their um big big specials and all that sort of stuff. Um, but anything after that, you know, just went to hell. Anyway, um, digressing. Uh, so you know, this is the thing. I mean, it's it's fine for him to throw all this around in Parliament when he's protected by parliamentary privilege. Um, let him come out on the street um, and, and say it out on the steps. Um, you know, he's he, – I, I don't think that he's done half of what he said he has done. Um, and, yeah, so – and the other bit that I want to get to is that he turns around and says – Okay, uh, when he's when he's finishing up, um, when he goes, President, colleagues, comrades, I've worked on this bill in a collaborative way. I've questioned the minister and others with genuine concern when I did not think it was right. I shut out the baying hounds of hysteria to do my job and I will continue to as we move through the, com- the committee stage of this bill. I have a large number of questions to ask because that is my contribution as well to the proper examination of this bill. Now, Bit of a clarification on that one. Um, has Mr. Medic really shut out the baying hounds of hysteria? Uh, I don't believe that he has because he is allowing uh, Premier Andrews to create a two-class society where it is the um, uh, jabbed and the unjabbed. 
um, those who participate in the series of therapeutics and those who want to retain bodily autonomy um, because remember it's his thing as he, as they've all mentioned before my body my choice so why has that changed now and you can't say it's for the greater good because the um, from infection rate uh, th- this virus has a de- fatality rate of 1.18% uh, percent or something like that it's barely you know it, it, I don't think anyone in a rational world could say that it's a pandemic it's something that we need to uh, create these draconian measures for um, having a look at it now uh, death rate 1.166 that's per cases uh, yes you know I understand that but um, you know the st- figures were released for um, suicide yesterday I managed to find that one and that is concerning because uh, this year we have had unfortunately um, up to September uh, up to 30 correction 31st of October um, 559 people have taken their own lives um, and you know for the same period last year yes it's a little bit down it was 593 uh, but you know what's what's the other long-term effect of lockdowns how many people have um, you know gone into um, alcohol and things like that uh, due to these lockdowns and, and pandemics uh, pandemic re- treatment or response that uh, people like Mr Medic Ms Patton and Ms Ratnam have um, you know uh, allowed the Andrews regime to implement um, so but anyway uh, not going to continue too much more on that one lest people think that um, I'm fixated on him which I'm not uh, I just want to make sure that he doesn't get re-elected uh, so uh, the other thing, there's um, some things going around about uh, contacting the governor for her to refuse giving royal assent to the bill. Uh, I, in the early days, I thought that that maybe may have been a good thing. Um, nowadays, I don't think it is because remember we're a constitutional monarchy, so it's the constitution that guides whatever else does the monarchy is there as just a um a a, a check and balance on society um whether the governor as the monarch's uh representative should get involved and turn around and say well hey we don't think that that bill should pass i don't think that bill should pass so i won't give it um, royal assent that sets a bad precedent um and i don't think that it is something that we should be uh, looking at. And don't get me wrong, I think that this is a disgusting bill. It should not pass. But it's the thing is that we need to put pressure on Parliament to do that. Um, and then if it does pass, we need to fight it in courts. We need to put text cases forward. We need to put injunctions forward that they've um, government overreach. Uh, we need to vote these people out. We need to vote in people who will repeal all the provisions of the Public Health and Wellbeing Act that created the environment that we've had for the last uh, 18 months, 18, 20 months. Uh, And unfortunately that won't be happening because, uh, you know, if we vote, we go from um, voting Labor to voting Liberal. Um, I'm not sure about the United Australia Party. I'm not sure how they'll work at state level. 
they seem to be a bit more focused on the coming federal election. Uh, Liberal Democrats haven't looked too much into what they're about at the moment. They will be doing that um, maybe for future episodes. Uh, But, you know, it's the thing. My own personal view is we need to steer away from political parties, independence all the way. If Parliament was made up of independence, I doubt we would have been in the would be in the situation that we're in now. Um, And if you have a look at the way the uh, both constitutions are written. They're not written for political parties. They're rep- written for independent uh, representation. That's why, if you have, you're looking at the at the federal thing, the lower house is the House of Representatives. It's not the House of Political Parties. Um, and the lower house of Victoria obviously is the Legislative Assembly and the Legislative Council. Um, you know, because it is there. This is why we don't vote for a premier or a prime minister because they're only there through convention, not because of constitution. And this is something that that we do need to uh, become aware of. Uh, The more independence we vote into parliament, both lower house and upper house, the more chance that there is of um, getting uh, a reasonable government and government that, uh, you know, doesn't involve, stick their fingers in every part of our, our life. Um, as I said before, um, government should just stay out of our way. Let us do things. Let us do what we want to do. Um, you know, uh, they should just be there to protect our rights that we have been given by, you know, our, our inherent rights that are our birthright. Um, whoever you think that they come by, whatever supreme being, it doesn't matter. But it's the thing. Government do not give us these rights. We already have them. So they are there to protect them. If they don't, they're there to allow us to protect these rights ourselves. And this is what people need to understand and stop relying on government to keep you safe because safety is only a feeling. Danger, I mean, remember, yes, completely accept danger is real. You know, you you walk across the road without um, uh, crossing at a crossing with a little green man, there is danger there because, you know, there's cars coming and all that sort of stuff. I fully accept that and I fully accept that there's danger. And But, you know, it's the thing, safety. Um, safety is a feeling. I mean, it's it's a person, you know, if you decide you can feel unsafe um, walking down the street, whereas the same person could feel completely safe and not have a care in the world. Um, you know, it's the thing, safety is a feeling. Um, so, yeah. I mean, what can we do? Keep the pressure on these politicians. Start writing letters to them. Um, send emails to them if you don't want to write a letter. I write letters because I sign it and, you know, I go that extra step. Hopefully they pay attention to it and it gives it a little bit more credence. Um, I don't, generally don't think so. Um, but we'll wait and see. Um, as I said, I'm going to keep trying to get Mr. Medic um, as a guest on the podcast. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens once the bill goes. I will do the same thing to uh, Patton and Rattenham. As well, and I might even because um, I live in the Mill Park, just uh, so uh, what is it, Scullin, uh, Scullin area. Um, I'm going to be seeing to I'm going to try and see if I can get Andrew Giles, who's a federal member, uh, get him uh, to appear on the podcast and have a bit of a discussion with him, and uh, you know maybe take him to task, maybe you know see what he can do. Um, you know I'm get a few more episodes under the belt and hopefully we'll see what happens with these politicians. But um, I think that uh, federal members, um, you know, they're letting us down as well. They should be out there turning around saying, hey, no, 
what you're doing is wrong. Um, unfortunately, they're not going to do that because they're pushing party politics. They're all going to do that. Um, even our um, local, our senators, state senators aren't doing much. Um, you know, they should be in the press every day calling out the Andrews regime for that. They should be putting pressure on them at the federal level uh, to turn around and say no, um, you know, whatever. Um, but, but there's still stuff that should be done. Anyway, um, we'll see how we go. Uh, not sure what's going to happen in the next episode tomorrow, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens today and overnight. Um, so anyway, um, that about wraps it up for this one. Uh, you'll find the show notes for this one at um, fifth.estate forward slash episode zero four. That's the letters uh, number zero, uh, number four. Um, there should be a subscription form uh, to join up the email list. Uh, also putting on a membership thing because ultimately this is the thing. Um, yes, I'm a creator, um, creating content. Uh, I'm not going to get onto um, Patreon or Substack or anything like that um, because there is the risk that uh, things will, that will be deemed as uh, controversial, we may lose it all. Um, so I'm going to I'm creating my own membership membership site. You'll be able to look at that uh, a bit better when it comes up. Also working on um, finally publishing a whole lot of blog posts that I have in draft form. Uh, but you'll find out more about that if you go and have a fossick through the site. Uh, so anyway, uh, my name's Cameron Blewett. This was the Fifth Estate Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to having you join me on the next one. Bye for now.